0: Matthew, Henry comments on this chapter, he says, There is scarcely any chapter in all the sacred history that stoops so low as this, to take cognizance of so mean a person as Ruth, a poor Moabitish widow, so mean in action as her gleaning corn in a neighbor's field, and the minute circumstances thereof. But all this was in order to her being grafted into the line of Christ and taken in among his ancestors, that she might be a figure of the espousals of the Gentile church to Christ. Now mean there doesn't mean unkind, it means low or base. Here now the reading of God's holy word. Ruth 2 verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother, and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today, and where wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law, with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter in law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. And Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that, the, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, Ruth chapter 2. <clears> 2. <throat> Here in verses one through three, we have Ruth's humility and her industry, providence directing her to Boaz's field. Boaz is described in verse one as a mighty man of wealth, Uh, wealth, honor, government, and perhaps even his faith. He was a rich man in many ways. She says to her mother-in-law, Ruth does, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn, Now, the particle used in the Hebrew is nah, and it means an entreaty. Again, we talked about this earlier in chapter one, the posture of Ruth. She approaches her mother-in-law and begs permission, again, demonstrating her humility as an inferior, her genuine willingness to submit to Naomi as her superior, even in a matter where she seems to be serving the interests of her superior. Now, this is a very difficult thing to contemplate. She's going to be doing a favor for Naomi. She asks Naomi permission to do her a favor, so to speak. She uses a a particle of entreaty, let me now, as we translate it in our English Bibles. Do you see her posture? Many people, when they're doing something for someone else, Expect, you better listen to me. I'm helping you out. You better listen to me. What's her posture? I'm helping you out, but may I please do that? She entreats. She is humble. She is not even uh, saying that somehow she's entitled to the ear of Naomi. She does not even give information. Hey, I'm going to go glean in the fields. That's not what she says, is it? You better let me go. No, she doesn't say that. Please give me leave. Let me now go to the field. That's the posture she has. And notice also verse 2 to her commendation. Did you know the law of God says that strangers and poor people could glean in your land? Leviticus 19, 9 and 10. Leviticus 23, 22. But what does she say in verse 2? She says that... After she makes her request that she should go glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. You see that? She's not going to go and show up in the field and say, you owe me this corn. I'm here a stranger. I'm poor. This is mine. I'm taking what's mine. No, if I find grace in his eyes, whoever's field I go into. If they're willing to give, I don't deserve anything, in other words. She is a woman struck with her own sinfulness and therefore humbled under the mighty hand of God. And even though she had a right to these gleanings, she would not glean without the goodwill and grace of the owner of the land. Let us learn to humble ourselves likewise. What what rights do we have before God? What do we deserve? And even if we are within our rights, in a human manner of speaking, what is the posture we adopt in requesting or demanding our rights? Do we seek the goodwill of those who are indebted to us, or do we demand and exact while exalting ourselves? Give me what is mine by right. No, she does not say this. Note there verse 3, the providence of God. Her hap, it says, was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. Now this word hap, like something happens, it just means something fell. That's literally what it means. Now do you want things to fall? No, it's typically something that occurs without your consent, without your knowledge, without you trying. So far as she was concerned, this is a matter of luck. Of happenstance of fate she has no control over it but God had control over it the hap was to her the Westminster annotations say though this were hap in respect of Ruth yet it was thus ordered by the secret working of God's providence to make way for her marriage to Boaz that's why it was her hap she didn't go there with the design to marry Boaz God had that design. She didn't know what she was doing. She was just going to reap. She was going to glean. I note then that though events often appear to us as by chance or fate or luck, since we're generally ignorant of all the factors that play into something, yet all is well established and ordered, such that our Lord could say, you see the sparrow falling to the ground. That doesn't happen without God's will. Not even one hair off of your head can fall to the ground without the decree of God. So they may appear to us to be by happenstance. They may just fall out that way, but God has a purpose. And so let us live in the path of duty. That's what Ruth is doing. The results, the falling out of events is not within our power. God will protect us. God will provide for us. And so we can be content. And pursue our duty and leave the rest in God's hands because that's not our province. We are not the rulers of the outcomes. We are the doers of our duties. This is the example Ruth sets for us. Verses 4 through 17, we have the great favor shown to Ruth by Boaz. Boaz comes from Bethlehem, from the city out to the fields, and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. Matthew Poole comments on this little phrase, they expressed and professed their piety even in their civil conversation and worldly transaction, which now so many are ashamed of and call it hypocrisy or vain ostentation thus to do. But remember, what does James say? You're planning to go somewhere, to carry on business. Well, you're making plans for the future. What are you to say? And what what are you to think, not just say with your mouth? The Lord wills. So here, notice, even in their civil conversation, the reapers and Boaz, speaking to each other, speak in terms of God and his ways, his blessings and his goodness. They answer him, the Lord bless thee. Now this is very interesting. The Bible tells us that the lesser is blessed of the greater. These are his reapers. He is their master. He is the greater, they are the lesser. He's to do the blessing. But when you compare all men to Almighty God Himself, that's what they're saying, the Lord, what is Boaz? Is he a superior anymore? No, we're all so far below the Lord. As Peter says, let us all be clothed with humility, whether older or younger. So here, the Lord bless thee. Man at his best estate is altogether vanity, and therefore God the superior must give blessings. Boaz inquires whose damsel she is. Is she someone's daughter? Is she married to someone? And they respond in verse 6 that this is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Now notice Moab comes out twice, doesn't it? There seems to be an ill favor of these Moabites and rightly so idolatrous, wicked people, enemies of the people of God. You know their history. It's a checkered past, you might say. So he mentions it twice. But he also mentions the head reaper here, that she came with Naomi. She left the foreign land. She's with a widow who happens to be related to Boaz by marriage, by affinity. And so it's a mixed report. She is foreign, but she is faithful. Then he goes on, verse 7. She said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Notice again, it's the same particle in Hebrew that she used with Naomi. It's a particle of entreaty. Please, I pray you, would you show me grace, in other words? Would you allow me to do this? Again, a posture of humility. She is faithful, she is foreign, and she is humble. Notice also verse 7. She hath continued even from the morning until now, that she tarried a little in the house. What else? She's faithful, she's foreign, she's humble, and she's diligent. She's been working all day here. There was a little bit that she was in the house, that's basically it. Was she sitting around doodling? Was she playing video games? Was she trying to just see how little she could get by with? No working her tail off all day with very little rest. She is diligent. She is hard working throughout the whole day. Young ladies, what kind of men will you attract? Will you attract men ruled by their passions or men ruled by the truth? Because look, what sort of man is Boaz? He's a godly man. He's one who fears the Lord. What sort of woman do you think he'll be attracted to? A loser? A louse who's real beautiful and a do-nothing? An empty head with a beautiful body? Is that what he's looking for? Of course not. That's the kind of woman that wicked men look for. So notice here, he's learning of this woman. He's learning more about her character. Will you young ladies be vain and light, easily won? Or will you be solid and weighty and draw men like Boaz toward you? What will he value? The weighty things of God. Diligence, humility, fidelity, holiness. That's what he's hearing about. And that's what's going to draw him toward her. (coughs) Boaz then in verses 8 and 9 charges her to remain in his fields. He promises a protection of her chastity. He promises gracious provision for all of her needs. And again, because she is a humbled woman, what does she do? What's her response? Oh, well, of course you should do that for me. You ought to be looking out for me. I'm a special widow. It says in your Bible you're supposed to look out for people like me, right? She says no such thing. She fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes? You see, our expectations of life and of God's providence will determine our responses to his providence. If we are owed great things, well, it's like, okay, well, I'm just getting what I deserve, right? You should show me grace. Is that the attitude of Ruth? No. Why? What is there about me that would move you to have mercy and grace upon me? So she is thankful, isn't she? She is humble. She's God-fearing. She is diligent. When we think we have done good, what do we expect? The praise of men, glory from men. Well, that's our reward and that's it. Let us learn to be faithful, diligent, and merely to expect that God will see what we do and by his grace reward us in due time. Here notice, Boaz's response, verse 11, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband. Notice, this is what he values highly. You have obeyed the fifth commandment. That's what he's saying. You have been loyal to your mother-in-law who is a widow. You must fear God. You sacrifice of yourself. I see and hear the reports of what you have done. Her piety and faith and her obedience to the fifth commandment, her humility and self-sacrifice, these are the things that matter to him. Young men, what kind of women will you seek for marriage? As you grow into adulthood, if God is to bless you with a wife, what kind of wife do you want? Will you seek a woman who truly and genuinely fears God, even though she is poor, Will you look for those qualities of respect for authority, diligence in labor, forsaking all and following the Lord Jesus, or will you look for beauty in face and form? Which one's going to last, by the way? Which one's going to last? Is the beauty in face and form, is that going to last a long time? Usually not very long. And certainly in death, it's gone. But even in this life, it generally does not last long. So what do you want out of life? Choose wisely. Verse 12, Boaz blesses her. She says, or he says, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel. Now, we looked at this in chapter one. God has a moral order of the universe. When people are wicked and cruel, what can they expect from God? Well, he's going to punish them. When people are kind and godly, what can they expect? Well, God will bless them. Is it because they deserve his blessings? No. That's not what he's saying, actually. It is not by the reward of merit, but by the reward of God's grace. Who gave Ruth this kind of faith? Who gave Ruth this kind of humility? Where did she get the grace to act in this way? God. And what, pray tell, will God do to his own gifts? He will crown his own gifts. He will reward with a crown those very things that he has worked in his people. And that's what he's saying. God graciously rewards the sincerely obedient, those who strive to be faithful, to fear him, to be respectful and diligent. God will bless them. Would you have God to pay you back wrath to your face? Because he threatens that as well. That's another payment he meets out. What sort of people does he do that to? Those who do not fear him. Those who do not trust him. Those who are foolish. God has a moral order of the universe. Now note, he refers to the Lord as the one under whose wings thou art come to trust. And this word trust means to seek refuge. As little baby chicks, when they sense danger, what do they do? They go to their dam. They come under her wings for protection, for warmth, for feeding. You are like one of those lost chicks who's come back to the God of Israel. You've put your hope, your refuge in him. Blessed are all, Psalm 1 tells us, who take refuge in him. Here we see the blessing, or perhaps it's Psalm 2, I believe. Now, more than merely bless her with words, Boaz blesses her with deeds. Notice there verse 14. Come thou hither and eat of the bread and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. Now, we might take this for granted. We have abundance of bread. We have lots of vinegar. You can go buy it at the store very easily. What did it take in those days to make bread and vinegar? Well, it took hard work lots of hard work and because of that it was very valuable and you didn't just share it with anybody did you you remember jesus when they were going through and plucking the ears what did they have to do they had to turn it into bread to eat this is pre-made this is something that took weeks to formulate this vinegar and he's saying you come here and eat of my prepared things we see in this a sign of his love for her We see in this a picture of the gospel. God sees us as outsiders, he welcomes us in, we put our refuge in him and then what does he do? He feeds us from his own table, the Lord does. He's a type of Christ, taking a slave, incorporating us into himself, giving grace and favor to us, though we are unprofitable servants, He gives us tokens of his love. He says, dine at my table, partake of my fine prepared meats that I've set before you. And notice he goes on. Verse 16, he tells his servants, let some also of purpose fall, leave them that she may glean. In other words, you've worked hard to gather up what you've gathered. Now, I want you to take some and as you're bringing it into the garners, just let it fall. Just throw it down onto the ground. And when she comes to pick it up behind you, don't shame her for it. Let her have it. Do that on purpose. Leave extra for her, is what he's saying. Give her an additional blessing, not just what she goes and works for, give her extra, in other words. This shows his kindness This is his own substance from his own slaves that he has to sustain so they can go and work in his fields, take that productive labor and give it to her. And how much does she get? She gets about an ephah of barley. Now in the scriptures it tells us that a homer or an omer was about one-tenth of an ephah. So she has about an ephah, that's about ten omers. Now in Omer, we are told in the Bible, especially regarding the gathering of the manna, was one day's worth of feed. So what has she gathered here? Ten days worth of feed. You can read about this in Exodus sixteen sixteen, and also in Exodus 16, verse 36. So here Ruth in one day has gathered about ten days bread just by her gleaning. And this shows us both her industry, her diligence, as well as the kindness and grace of Boaz. Now, by the way, an ephah is about six gallons. So the buckets you see at the hardware store are about five. It's another 20% on top of that. That's what she's done. And if you know how hard it is to gather the grains and to get the chaff off and just to get the wheat berries, that's hard work. One day's work for her, six gallons almost of this barley. Verses 18 through 23, we have the return of Ruth to Naomi, further instructions and obedience by Ruth. So she takes up what she has. She went into the city. By the way, she's no weakling. Though she is very feminine and womanly, her, strong, her arms are strong, aren't they? Could you carry six gallons of you know, grains in a bucket or in some kind of sack? That's hard work. That's going to be very heavy. Strengthen yourselves, ladies, for the tasks of home and land for God's glory, so that you may serve your husbands, even your own physical benefit. Your body will benefit by being strong and by being fit. Notice as she comes back to Naomi, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. Now, widows are without the help of their husbands. So the kindness to the dead is when you see a woman who's been widowed, you help out. And that's exactly what Boaz is doing. He's showing kindness to the dead as well as to those who survive them. Now, though the Bible opposes showing religious honors to the dead or having excessive sorrow upon the departure of the dead, and especially seeking communion with the dead after their death as a species of paganism. Yet, we are to honor the memory of the dead. We are to relieve their widows, especially if we're given the means and occasion. This is what it's saying here. She is blessing him, rightly so, because he cares for widows. He looks after those in need. Let us learn to be kind to widows to care for those who cannot care for themselves, and to imitate this pious kindness of Boaz, since God is the God of the fatherless and the widow. Now note verse 20. The man, Naomi says, is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Now the word kinsman is extremely important. It means one who redeems, one who brings you out of bondage. Because right now, what does Naomi own? Well, she has nothing. Because the land has apparently been mortgaged that her husband owned, and we're gonna see this in subsequent chapters. Somebody has to redeem that land. Who's going to do it? There's no man to do it. Who's gonna do it? There's no Elimelech, he's not there, his sons are dead. Who's next? Well, that's the next of kin, that's the Redeemer. And that's what she says Boaz is to them. He is one of our redeemers. He will raise our distressed hopes. He will take us out of bondage. And did you know this is why Christ became flesh of our flesh and bone of our bones? This is what we celebrate in the Lord's table. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. I am your kinsman. I am your redeemer. I can raise your fortunes. I can raise your hope. Your hopes are in distress. You are in debt and bondage. Someone has to bring you out. That's what Boaz is a type of. Even a type of our Lord and Savior. And notice, after receiving instructions from her mother-in-law, what does she say? Well, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. You're going to tell me I have to stay with his maidens all the time. What if I want to go somewhere else? No. No. Look at verse 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest. Now, that was the mere wish of Naomi. Your wish is my command. Have you ever heard that? You want this and out of respect, I will do it for you. That's her attitude toward her superior. She obeys what Naomi desires She shows obedience, kindness, and respect. These are the marks of a godly woman. And thus far the explanation of the book of Ruth, chapter